this week's show, a fantastic result on Wellingtown boss Darren Manning reflects on their victory over Glebe. A relentless attacking style of play that, um, that should be exciting for the neutral more than a Wellingtown fan because it can be a bit hair-raising at times. And looking to a brighter future for everyone, we hear from Maidstone United co-owner Oliver Ash. Probably the best opportunity in a lifetime to change things so that there is one uh, single controller, if you like, there as a backstop if the leaks and, and clearly there are three professional bodies if they cannot get their act together and uh, communicate and uh, act in their best interests of the game as a whole Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. Uh, just the two interviews for you in this week's late arriving show. It's entirely my fault, uh, but hopefully you will enjoy what we're about to throw together around it. Uh, I'm John Phipps, who's had a week of utter travel chaos. And on the line now is a man who in a record high scoring uh, weekend in the Premier League prediction competitions that we're both in, managed to score just three points. Although, and this stuff does right itself, doesn't it? It'd actually be over the moon to get three points and in another setting at the moment. It's Matt Gerard. How are you, mate? Not bad. So close at the weekend, wasn't it? So, you know, I thought I saw Dover eight to one at Yeovil and I thought, mm, do I put a pound on? I didn't because I'm not very good at betting. But that would be, yeah, we did all right there. So, yeah, I'm feeling a bit um, cold. <laughs> Just basically, I don't know. Because, uh, of course, now we've got a dog. You still have to take the dog out every day and you really realise how cold it is. Because, of course, when we didn't have the dog, you never go out after five o'clock, do you? So, um, I love the dog, but yeah, it's 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 just cold. And I, uh, that is reason number one on the long list of why I don't want a dog. The cats will just look after themselves in the cold. They don't need me to go out there and hold their hands and walk around with them. They just get on with it. And I'm quite happy with that situation. Yeah, so yeah. But, but it, it, she's worth it in the end, but it, it could do with, I'm thinking November. Because I always look at it as November is like mm, May. You know, you know so I always look at the... You know, the, the hot month. So November's like May. So February's like August, isn't it? You know, sort of way, opposite months. Right, yeah. got yeah, yeah. So I'm still thinking you've got two months. Well, February, it'll be like Baltic. Yeah. And uh, well, and with what COVID's going on, Christ knows what's going to be going on, isn't it? So, but that's a totally different story on that. And I, I see Germany now. If you're not double jabbed, you can't do too much. Will that come over here? And remember, remember we did that show before, before this came out, they'd be rioting in the streets. Yeah. If they did do it here, that would definitely be right in the streets, wouldn't they? Yeah, you'll be off down down getting your looting hat on again. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be yes, but I still can't get my third jab anyway because they said about this, but I haven't done the system. But I know it must be hard work for them to do that. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm it's quite frustrating for me because they're saying 152 days, uh, which I will be soon. By the time I can get an appointment, I'll be 152 days, but I can't at the moment because it's not soon enough for me. So. Uh, very very strange system, but and some of the places it's offering us are like forty miles away from here to, to go and have yeah, a job. Yeah. So eventually they'll get there in the end. But yeah, it's just of course they will. It's just crazy. Do you think it's going to be? Um, we're not going to. Are we going heading down to lockdown here? I I don't know. I was starting to think we might be, but I I'm seeing things about this new variant at the moment, which is suggesting that it's not that that concerning. It's it, there's no proof that it's going to get past the vaccines, and it's not any more serious than the other ones so hopefully it'll all calm down we'll just have to be a bit sensible where i'm asking the shops and just carry on um and then hopefully we can we can keep going i mean we've already had some cancellations and, and other difficulties with people uh because of it which isn't great sorry you have to change anything at your end 
No, not yet. Um, so hopefully it'll all be all right. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's a bit concerning. So, uh, but we shall see what happens. Anyway, I've had a week of it, honestly. So, uh, as regular listeners will know, I have a uh, a goddaughter and some really good friends of ours that live in Darlington. Uh, so we went up there for the for uh, for the weekend. Went up on Friday, left here at twelve o'clock. Arrived at their house at eight p.m. Eight hours it took us to get up there. Uh, stuck for about an hour in the queue up to the Dartford Tunnel. Then we got stuck again further up by Grantham. And then we could have been stuck even worse up further up on the uh, A1 as well. But we managed to avoid some of that. Uh, our plan from there was to go from uh, Darlington up to Scotland for a couple of days, a couple of nights, to where I used to live when I was a, a How far in Scotland? Uh, it would have been about three hours on the train. Um, yeah. We were going to get the train up there because we thought, you know, save a bit of the car nice train journey up on the uh, east coast main line up to newcastle and then along and then all of the trains got cancelled completely so we got a complete refund on that cancelled our hotel uh, up in scotland and we were kind of at a loose end for two days so in the end we decided that we would hop on the train as far as we could go which was newcastle uh, so we spent a couple of days uh, walking around newcastle going in the shops drinking lots of nice beer uh, and just doing various bits and pieces and then we decided we could have stayed uh, on wednesday night in uh, in in darlington again uh, and and then come home today but instead, in our infinite wisdom, we said, no, we don't need to worry about Wednesday night. We'll move the hotel book in for another date. We'll see the, the, the God kids. They'll go to bed and then we'll just drive home. We left Darlington at 7.15 p.m. yesterday and we got home at 20 past three this morning. Uh, we were sat stationary for two hours on the M11 uh, due to some uh, roadworks leading to a, a closure of the motorway and some bright spark deciding that it would also be a good idea to do some roadworks on the diversion route as well. And then to top it all off, the A21 was shut as well. So I really, really have had a, a great week of, of, of travel nightmares. What, what was, I've never been to Newcastle. Newcastle, was there very, what is Newcastle like? And was there people wandering the streets without a coat on? Uh, I didn't see too many people without coats on, to be fair. I mean, it was a bit wet and wild as well uh, up there. But it was a really nice city. There's lots going on, uh, lots of nice places to eat and drink. Uh, Newcastle United were at home on Tuesday night. Did briefly consider uh, trying to get along to that, but then decided that probably uh, there's better things I could spend 75 quid on. And in fact, I went and spent 75 quid on a very nice meal instead. Uh, but no, it was, it was nice. It was that value or 75 quid for the two? It's been 75 quid for us both, actually. So, That's but, not bad, is it, really? I know. No, but I, I mean, from the sounds of it, though, the best view of Newcastle against Norwich was probably from the bars that I was in uh, and the uh, and the restaurant where I was eating. So, but no, we had a really nice time, actually. Nice city. May go back there again someday in the future. So we shall see uh, what, what, what happens. Do you eat? Can I you a bit of a call on Blair? So anything you recommend? Uh, so we didn't really go too posh, actually. We, we went to a place called The Botanist on... Uh, uh, Monday night and I had this uh, thing they do like they're famous for their hanging kebabs yeah, and they've yeah. done a Christmas dinner special so it had like turkey sprouts veg roast potatoes uh, on it and, and a bit of gravy uh, and then I also and then the other night we just went to an Italian so we like a nice Italian so we had a we ate well uh, and we had do you know what we had a apart from the trap the traffic nightmares we had a really genuinely nice weekend and it got us a little bit in the Christmas spirit we've come back and one of the trees has gone up today uh, and the other one may be going up on Saturday. Before we move on from this topic, I have a question for you, Matt, and I've got to put a poll on Twitter about this as well. Um, we walked past a place called The Mushroom in Newcastle. Right. Right. Do you reckon that The Mushroom 
in this day and age is more likely to be a nightclub or a vegan restaurant? Probably a vegan restaurant, wouldn't it? Well, I'm not going to reveal what it was, but I will put a poll out on Twitter. Uh, people can have their say. And next week we will discuss whether it was a vegan restaurant or a nightclub. Uh, so we shall see how that pans out. Anyway, in the meantime, it's a 193rd episode this week. Uh, for a change, there's a few things of interest in this week's number curriculum section. Uh, it's the number of countries in the United Nations, for example. And there's a historic house at 193 Vernon Street in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Although from its Wikipedia page, I've absolutely no idea what makes it special. And finally, we have Dennis Kwok, a Hong Kong singer whose stage name is 193. I'd never heard of him until today. But his wiki page in Chinese that was the top search result on Google. So he's either massively popular or he's followed the advice of the many, many, many spam emails we get sent to the B&B each week about how to become the top result on Google. Uh, anyway, enough of that tomfoolery and on with the show. We will start once more in the Southern Counties East League Premier Division. And arguably the shock result of the season so far. Wellingtown had just two wins to their name in the league so far this season. When they fell behind to Jamie Philpott's goal early on for Glebe, many would have thought they'd be waiting a while for number three. But the boots hit back and goals from Manny added Tukumbu and James Miles turned the game on its head and gave Wellingtown a 2-1 win over high-flying Glebe. So earlier on today, I caught up with town boss Darren Manning. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And um, it, it was coming, if I'm honest, mate. We've, we've made... Very good improvements the last two or three weeks, and uh, we had a nice comfortable win on Saturday, which put a lot of confidence in the boys and um, gave them that extra bit of belief ready to, to kick on. And, and we always said Tuesday, if we turned up, that we was in with a good shot of, uh, of getting a result. A lot of people from the outside would have looked and saw Glebe scored inside 10 minutes and thought, well, that's that, they've won. But, but what character your team showed? Yeah, they've got. We've managed to, to get a bit of grit into them where before, and, and I've mentioned on, on previous interviews, we've we've been a bit of a soft touch. So we have, when we conceded first, it's sort of been, okay, game over. Um, for example, when we played Beersted, we conceded in 10 seconds and and I sort of knew it was game over at that time, if, if that makes sense. So so when, when we did go 1-0 down, there is a bit of grit and determination in the team now where, where I did think we still had a chance. Um, as long as we stayed in the game for as long as possible, let's not, let's not um, get it wrong. The Glebe are extremely good. So when they did go one 0 up, of course, there's a, a few alarm bells start ringing that they could they could just go through the gears and, and blow us away. But I've got a lot of belief in the, in the group of players we've got now, and, and that they proved me right on uh, on Tuesday. I suppose as, as a manager, you, you must be pleased that, that with the fact that they did come from behind like that. And, and I guess, what, what do you say to the team when they fall behind that, that early on against the side who, who you say are good? So it's, um, it was a strange one at half time because I didn't think we were very good. Uh, I thought we dropped our standards. And so I, I let the players know that. But then I also said that I felt on the night glee, but given us all they had, and we still managed to, to be in the game. And, and they should take great belief from that and that if we, we will create chances with the players we've got and that we just need to take our chances when we get them and, and we did that. Um, and if anything, we could have had a couple more goals that um, on when they were really pushing for an equaliser, we broke on the counter-attack a couple of times and we could have really put, put the game to bed. But it was just about belief and, and having that belief in themselves as individuals and in themselves as a, as a team because it's all right us, us having the belief in them on the sidelines but until they start realising that themselves, it, it won't it won't ever work. I guess you're hoping it can be a bit of a catalyst. Looking at your fixtures, you've got what three of the next four are against teams in the bottom five as well. And and if you can 
get, keep that form going, then you could be well away from the foot of the table. That's that's the plan, mate. That is the plan. I've we we said that the league game was a bit of a free hit because our season would have been defined um, by our results against Glebe, Chatham, Sheppey, deal with those type of teams. I think season's not defined by our results against them. They're they're a bonus if you manage to get it. But it also means that if we we don't back it up on Saturday, it was it was pointless. It was pointless putting that that result in. So we need to uh, we need to make sure we back it up. Make sure we stay consistent because consistency is what breeds success. And uh, and that's the big challenge for us now because it is only one result. We have to remember that it's only one result, and uh, and there's still plenty more work to do. Yeah, it's been a couple of months now since you took over at Welling. How are you finding things there? I, I love it, mate. If I'm honest with you, I love it. It's a, it's a great club uh, with very, very good people in and around it. And uh, I've got a great chairman in Kevin. He's, uh, he's done a lot for me. Um, what I've been quite demanding about what I want because I know how I want to do things and so on. And he's, uh, he, he's moved heaven and earth to, to make sure he can do that for me. So I can't, can't thank him enough. Um, the, the, yeah, it's been really good, mate. been really enjoying it. And it's nice for me to... It comes sort of out of my comfort zone of, of Essex football and really see and, and develop myself as a manager over in, the, in new, new waters. What's the difference between Essex football and Kent football so far? Um, there is a bit of a difference of style, if I'm honest. A bit of a difference of style of play. Um, it's a little bit more direct in Kent, I would say. Um, a little bit more direct and a bit more physical. Um, there's a lot more, uh, I'd say, technical players this side um, in the East London than there's six way. There's a lot more technical footballers, but it's uh, it's a very very good league. Uh, I've said that before. I think that the standard of uh, of the Kent version of uh, of Step Five is better than the Essex version. Um, so that's why I wanted to come and test myself over there because um, obviously I had success this side of Step Five. So I want to see if we can do it that side and, um, and the, the facilities are fantastic um, the facilities uh, in, in Step 5 in Kent are, are, are very very good uh, compared to some not so good in, uh, in Essex and it looks like you, your squad building's not done yet so you're tweeting saying you've been waiting for a player and you've managed to get him so I, I guess this is a work in progress at Wellingtown um, it is and it isn't this one's only come about because we, we picked up a few injuries um, defensively so we're, we're pretty happy with the squad as a whole. It will take something uh, something special for us to go away from that now. Um, we have got a, a few injuries at the moment, especially defensively. That's why we've moved to, to do this short-term deal, which is a loan deal from a, from a step four club, um, which I'm delighted about. Uh, we should be announced later today. Um, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's literally come about because of uh, because of injuries. If we didn't have the injuries, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened this deal. What's the aim for for the rest of the season for for Wellington? Obviously, it has been a difficult start, um, and and you've you've now picked up this result, and, and you can go on. But realistically, you're not going to win the league this season, are you? Oh, well, I'd love to think so, man. There's still points there, but I can't see I can't see the boys up there dropping enough points. That's the issue. Um, no, for, for me, I'm I'm very very ambitious, but also realistic. Um, I'd, I'd love to get in and around mid table, the top ten. Um, but also we need to remember it is only one result, so it's just one game at a time, winning more than we lose. And, uh, and it's all uh, all about building, ready to, to have a catalyst ready for, for next season and a group of players there knowing exactly what we're after going forward. I suppose it's one of those, isn't it, with this division, because there are some teams who, who are big spenders at the top who, who are very, very good. 
And I guess for clubs like Wellingtown, it's just a case of sticking yourselves in there. And, and when these big spenders all go up, being in the, in the position to be the ones to, to push on and be the next sort of big teams. Yeah, of course. It's, it's all um, it's all a bit of game of cat and mouse, really. Because like I said, there are some some big spenders there, but, but money doesn't mean you get points. The richest teams don't deserve to win just because they're the richest teams. And we proved that on, on Tuesday. It's football's a lot more than just how much money you paid out. And, uh, and and I've done it before. We won our one step five with a without a budget. So for me, the money side of the game is pretty irrelevant. It's all about the time with the players, developing the players, and getting them playing an effective style of football. But but with certain teams, if they do get promotion, it, it will open up the the division for for an extra five or six teams to really feel they have a good chance of, of getting that promotion. Well, that being said, there's still teams well in the mix this year to to dethrone those so called big. And just finally, obviously, every manager at your level wants to get more people through through the turnstiles. Um, what should people? Why should people be coming to watch Wellingtown under you? Um, that's a brilliant question. I've never ever been asked that question. That's a brilliant question. Um, I think they'll find um, a real honesty with the group of players and with myself in general. Um, I think people have found that since I've come in, I'm extremely honest when it comes to football. If we've been bad, I'll tell. I'll admit we've been bad, uh, but when we've been good, I'll sing our praises. And they'll see a nice, energetic, uh, relentless, attacking style of play that um, that should be exciting for the neutral more than a Wellington fan because it can be a bit hair raising at times. Um, but it, it should be um, should be a nice a nice bit of football to watch, really. And, um, and most games will have an entertainment value to them. That new signing he was speaking about there after his uh, cryptic tweet, Matt, he's not yet been announced, but you've got to say, what a superb result that was for Wellington on Tuesday night. Interesting. Last week, somebody said that the bottom half's not too good in the scaffold. Maybe they can't compete with the top half, but that is an absolutely first-class result. You didn't see that coming and opens it up nicely for um, Chippy and Chatham, we all have thought. So, yes, um, fair play to him. I did like the bit that he says that he, um, Kent's... Uh, Kent Leeds, more physical, more uh, my kind of football as well when he's come from Essex. Where, where, where was he manager before? Do you know? He was at Holbridge Sports for a while over in Essex and I think he got them out of the Essex Senior League and up into the uh, the Isthmian League. So he's, he's got a bit of uh, bit of pedigree about him and I, and I thought he came across really well in that interview. It seemed like a really nice bloke. Yeah. I, I, and again, uh, he was he didn't seem too disappointed. He thought the results were coming. If they still got, they've lost that big striker who scored all their goals well in, didn't they? Is that Golden? Is it Golden? Dan Golden? Ryan Golding. Ryan Golding, that's it. Ryan Golding, yeah, and he was, I think he's left there. But that is, uh, I don't know, I saw, I think the scaffold had the um, a video of the goal when Glee went in front when uh, Philpott, I think, scored. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit of a rout there. But they really turned it around. And that's an amazing result. They were second from bottom. The odds on that would have been first class. And now, as he said, they've got teams around them. They've got to build on that, you know, and hopefully they can get a result from there. But for Glee, that is a real blow, isn't it? Because they could have gone top of the table and um, five points clear of Chatham, but now they've uh, um, gone to second place. I know they could get in the playoffs with that, but that's a, a bit of a blow, and I didn't see that coming, and that's how they can bounce back now. 
yeah, that's that. That is the big question, and I thought what was really good there, uh, Wellington. So we've had there uh, the chairman Kevin Oakes on before. Uh, he's a really nice bloke, and and it was him who gave me Darren's number. Literally, I texted him and got it straight back. Uh, and always nice to speak to Kevin. Actually, he's a, he's a really nice fella, um, and he was the manager before Darren. And I thought what was really interesting that Darren said there. You know, the chairman has gone above and beyond everything we've asked for. He's given us, and that shows that you know it's 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 hard for a club like Wellington to compete. But with Kevin there at the helm and, and, and a new manager in Darren, they're, they're giving themselves the best chance, aren't they? Well, it's a labour of love, isn't it? You've seen your club come all the way to levels through up and you want to make them compete. You don't want to be a, a sort of making up the numbers. And clearly, they've shown that by that result against Glebe. And looking at the fixtures this weekend, Glebe have got a massive game now. Can they afford to lose that after losing that one on Tuesday? Well, no, that's the, that, that is the key thing. But finally, on Wellington, Matt, as I said to him there, three of their next four games against teams around them. This is the chance to build, isn't it? Because I think they've got Canterbury this weekend. Uh, then they've got Chatham. So obviously that one's going to be a different kettle of fish for them again. But they've got to play Punjab United and they've got to play Tower Hamlets before the, the turn of the year. So it does just show that if they can get a bit of momentum going, that his first objective this season is to get them away from the relegation places. And he said, to, he said they're top 10. And I think that if they can continue that, momentum and, and keep going the way that they're going, then th- there's no reason why that's not an unrealistic ambition, is it? Now, looking at the table as well, the teams at the bottom, as we know, there's goals galore in the in the scaffold. They're, scoring goals is clearly an issue for the teams at the bottom, but scoring two against Lee and now teams around them, if they can get up to, you know, 14, 13, 14, that will be a good season. But, you, you know, not after the Lord Mayor's show, you've got to follow it up now. And Canterbury, if they can go, you know, beat Canterbury, that puts them... Uh, Again, one point behind with a game in hand. So, uh, yeah, they've got to follow it up now. It's no good beating Glebe and then losing to Canterbury. So, um, but yeah, he seemed pretty confident. And, you know, again, so passionate about how it works and and things like that. And I bet that Brett Jossingham was buzzing after that game. Yeah, the result, as you said, Matt, has led to a big change at the top of the table. Uh, while Glebe came unstuck, Sheffield United just about took advantage. They needed an 89th-minute goal from Helga Roma to give them a 1-0 win at Struggling Lordswood. That means the Arts are two points ahead of Glebe with two games in hand. And this weekend, as we've mentioned before, it's Sheppey United against Glebe, a huge top-of-the-table clash. As well yeah. as the big game, the club are also doing their part for the community on Saturday as they collect for the Queenborough Town Council Emergency Food Bank and the Sheppey Support Bus with donations of food, drink, toiletries and cash welcome before the game. Uh, great cause, that. Great gesture. Certainly a great game in store as well. A wounded Glebe against rampant Sheppey United. That sounds like it could be a cracker. Yeah, I think there'll probably be a decent crowd there as well. And um, great to see they're doing stuff off the things for the community with Christmas. So that is, a, is that game of the season so far, would you say? In the, I suppose you look at it early doors. Well, we've, already had, we've already had uh, Chatham against Sheppey, yeah. haven't we? Which Sheppey United as, won. As the games go on, the season moves on. Top two, you know, we could be saying that Glebe beat Sheppey and they're and it's all forgotten about on Tuesday. So I'll be keeping my eye out of that. It should be an absolute cracker. And I'm Will, will we see strikers on top or defenders on top? We'll have to see on that one. Yes, it should be a really, really interesting game. I, I reckon strikers, actually, because I think both teams have got plenty of goals in them. So uh, we shall see what happens. I don't think that one will be nil-nil or one-nil. I think there'll be more than uh, more than a couple of goals in that one, but we shall see. Uh, there was another game on Tuesday night. Tunbridge Giles came from 2-0 down to beat Irritown 3-2. And that made it back-to-back wins for Wells, as they'd also beaten Punjab United 3-0 on Saturday, when Lords drew 1-1 with Fisher. And informed Crowborough beat Tower Hamlets 5-0. It was the Kent Senior Trophy for the rest of the weekend. Glee beat Lidtown 5-0. Hollands and Blair 
Borough overcame Earth Town 2-0. Chatham needed extra time to seal Flewisham Borough. 1-1 after 90 minutes, 5-1 after extra time. Uh, Sheppey United beat Holmesdale 3-1. Wellingtown beat Greenways 5-1. And Artfield and Newhithe were 2-1 winners at West Wickham. Uh, Deal's game with Irith and Belvedere was called off on Saturday. Instead, that was pushed back to Tuesday night. But it's probably worth the wait for the home faithful as they beat Irith and Belvedere 6-2. Uh, Saturday's games in the first division. Saw Faversham strike force beat Chessington hook 1-0. Uh, Meridian VP went down 5-1 at home to SC Thamesmead and manager uh, Owen Jones has left in the wake of that defeat. Uh, Arlie Desange made it 14 for the season with a hat-trick as Sutton Athletic beat Rochester United 5-0. Brighton Ropes on 3-2 at Tooty Beck and a topsy-turvy thriller ended Westside 4, Forest Hill Park 4. Uh, this weekend's fixtures in the Premier Division, Canterbury City against Wellingtown, Holmesdale against Irith Town, Kennington against Fisher, it's K-Sports against Irith and Belvedere, Lordswood against Crowborough Athletic, Punjab United against Beersted, Rostall against Deal Town, Sheppey United are at home to Glebe, as we've mentioned, Tower Hamlets against Chatham Town, uh, Tunbridge Wells are at home to Hollands and Blair, and then on Tuesday night, it's Deal against Chatham. Uh, in the First Division, Chesterton Hooker home to Greenways, Forest Hill Park against Staples Monarchs, Kempfoot United against Lewisham Borough, Larkfield and Newhithe against FC Elmstead, Lidtown against Brydon Ropes, Meridian VP are at home to Faversham Strike Force, it's Rochester United against Tooting Beck, Snodland Town against SC Thamesmead, Stansfeld against Croydon and Sutton Athletic against Westside. So plenty uh, of football to interest you all there as you go along uh, the way uh, over that. I should just mention as well, there was a game on Friday night uh, in the Premier Division, which I hadn't forgotten uh, until uh, literally about two minutes ago. Um, Kennington at home to K-Sports. And a bit of a surprise result, actually, as K-Sports won 4-2 uh, in that one at Homelands. Uh, so it, even though we do say sometimes, Matt, the top teams are clear, th- there is a little bit of anyone can beat anyone on their day, can't they? Yeah, I think, especially after the last week, you mentioned you didn't think these teams do it, but that is the result of the season. Well, we've well beaten Glebe, so... Shows the, the, the quality of, of this division and hopefully more more shocks like that to make this even more interesting as well. So, um, yeah, it's a great league. Absolutely great league. And we want more shocks like this to make me go, <gasps> when I saw results. Absolutely. Let's head on up, up the pyramid for our second interview of the week. It's probably high time we heard from Maidstone United co-owner and friend of the show, Oliver Ash. Uh, there's been a lot going on. He's been involved in Tracy Crouch's fan-led review of football. And obviously there's all the things going on at Maidstone United as well. So earlier in the week, Matt spoke to Oliver Ash. I did have an opportunity to speak with Tracy and with the panel at one stage um, to discuss you know, aspects um, relevant to the National League and to, to non-league in general. No, right. Um, Tracy Crouch, a Kent MP, of course. And what, what was your overall view of the fan-led review? From what I gather, that unsurprisingly, the mainstream media has picked up on the Premier League, maybe having to give some of their sort of a, a transfer money away or a percentage of it to lower league clubs. That's what's mainly seems to be picked up by um, the mainstream media. Yes, well, it, it's um, obviously there are there are different uh, issues which are raised. Some relevant to the Premier League and some more relevant to, to lower lower leagues and, and the Premier League have, have come out understandably with some initial criticism of the report um, and raising raising questions and I think that they're likely to be more and more belligerent as the weeks go on. They're, they're not going to give up their power over football in England um, without a good fight and, and what Tracy's um, review does is to uh, distribute that power in a way which is 
is better for football and tries to resolve the crises that we've been going through. And, and uh, my personal view is that it's a very good report. And uh, overall, it goes a long way to resolving some of the issues. So I, I hope that the report will be adopted and will we'll end up being a you know a way of, of resetting football in the interests of, of fans across the country. Do you think with the report on that, you know, you know, Back in the day, you always thought that the FA probably ran the game, but maybe they're just more an organisation now. And the Premier League seems to hold all the power. Is that the hoping with this it can change? Or do you think the, the power of the Premier League it could be too much on this? But with it hopefully being government legislation, they're going to have to back down on this. Yes, well, I mean, the FA are toothless and they haven't been regulating football for many years. And uh, I, I realised that clearly when I got involved um, 10, 15 years ago. So that, that's apparent. Uh, and this is probably the best opportunity in a lifetime to change things so that there is one uh, single controller, if you like, who is there as a backstop if the leagues, and, and clearly there are three professional bodies, if they cannot get their act together and uh, communicate and uh, act in the best interests of the game as a whole, um, by themselves, so the regulator will serve as that backstop. And, and goodness knows there have been many crises of governance um, underlined by things like the, the, the failure of clubs like Berry and Macclesfield and others, uh, and the COVID crisis, which has, you know, also shone a light on governance. And, and at our level, we've had several crises of governance at national league level, which is why I think um, Tracy Crouch wanted to make sure that. The issues um, such as the European Super League, which concern the big clubs, um, are not the only issues on the table because the governance of the game goes all the way down. And if, if the top is rotten, well, the, the, the bottom is going to suffer as well. And that's what we've seen in the last 18 months. So I'm delighted that there are plenty of things in the report which cover um, the lower leagues, the, the distribution of money uh, down the line, which um, is clear with the levy. Uh, the, the levy that she is suggesting on Premier League transfers only those that involve overseas um, clubs or Premier League clubs. I think that's interesting to note that if uh, there will be no levy uh, proposed on any transfers involving, for example, Football League or non-league clubs, uh, I think that's to encourage those. Um, that money then has to be uh, has to be spread around a broader number of clubs to help them to uh, exist in a sustainable way and it's important that the method of distribution of those monies and, and the ways in which it's allowed to be spent you know is is, is regulated in a, in a sensible way you don't the, the last thing you want to do to some of the clubs at our level is just give them a check for half a million because we know exactly where it'll go so that's got to be regulated very carefully and then subject to all that all the detail um, there are many great measures in this um for example, allowing drinking on the terraces again, I think that's a, a good move which will help our clubs. Uh, we reckon that when we went, when we were promoted to the National League, it probably cost us £100,000 of lost bar revenue. Um, 3G pitches in League Two, um, as you'll know, that's a bugbear of mine. That is now very much on the table. Um, it's a simple measure which will enable many clubs to, um, to generate more revenue and be better community clubs. Um, the, the, the measures destined to improve the women's game are also extremely welcome. Um, welfare, the support for ex-players, um, particularly at our level um, where there's virtually no support, 
uh, players tend to go come and go quickly. Um, so yes, there's a lot to applaud in Tracy's report. Yeah, I think Tracy Crouch has you know there's, I think there's been many sort of reviews of the game over the last decade or couple more, more than a decade, and she sort of um, grasped that I think um, respected MP. And if it's going to legislation, there's no reason why this shouldn't be pushed through, isn't it? I, I would have thought. Well, she seems pretty confident, and I presume you're pretty confident as well. Well, I, I don't know what the processes now are, yeah. but certainly the government has said that they want to uh, to put this now into into a, an act of parliament. And so, if the if the impetus continues, um, then yes, it should be adopted. And Tracy's also said that for, that this is a, a, a package of measures. It's not. Um, it's not a sort of a menu where you can pick one or the other. Mm. It's a package that work together. But there will be a huge amount of pushback from the Premier League. The mm. Premier League is a massive, powerful organisation, a very strong lobbying group, and, and there will be a lot of pushback. So it's going to be a, an interesting, an interesting few uh, few months now to see how this can go through. But I, I'm very confident, knowing uh, Tracy a little bit mm. as I do, that, that she is not going to give up on this. This is this is going to be. Uh, a, a big fight for her and for people like myself who believe in what she's trying to trying to achieve here. You mentioned about the National League um, governance over the last 18 months. Um, you know, the distribution of cash from the National Lottery. Has anything moved on from that since then? Um, not, not really, not yet. Um, I don't think it's, um, it's, it's a dead subject. I mean, there were a lot of issues. Um, there, there were... There were so many, I can almost not recall them anymore. But over the last 18 months, almost every aspect of trying to deal with the, the COVID crisis and, and what it threw up have been mismanaged by the National League. Now, uh, the National League have tried to improve a few things um, and they made a big show of uh, increasing the representation on the board of, of the North and South. But I haven't seen any concrete evidence to suggest it's a different animal now um, than it was previously, and the the architect of the very flawed distributions back in October, uh, which is Jack Pierce, um, he has he has been made chairman of the league. So you know, it suggests that they have absolutely not taken on board any of the criticism uh, throughout the, that that period when there were issues about stopping the season, starting the season, cancelling the season, all sorts of issues. Virtually every club that had one or more gripes at, at one stage or the other. And, and that's not to say that it was an easy period to manage, um, but that's no excuse um, for a board running a professional league to have mismanaged it so catastrophically. So the, going back to the one specific issue of the October one year ago, the distributions, it's definitely a live subject. And um, you know, we as a club haven't, haven't dropped it and we are still contemplating taking it further because we think that people who fail in their fiduciary duties as directors should be held to account. Mm. Talk, you know, going, talking about Maidstone United, I suppose if I spoke to you maybe 10 days ago, there was a bit of doom and gloom, but three wins in a week, beating your local rivals as well. It's been a, a good end of the month for the club. Yes, uh, well, it's very up and down, isn't it, um, uh, this season? It's been extraordinary. I think I think we, we overachieved possibly in the first few matches. don't think anyone expected us to... Um, to, to play and, and get such good results and we probably underachieved in the next set of matches and, and uh, so it's very difficult to predict where it's going to go but um, it's certainly we've got a, a manager who's working very hard and we've got a talented bunch of players and, and 
so that we, we know that on, on a given day they can win, win a football match, but will they ch- achieve the consistency? And, and uh, of course, there are plenty of other very good teams in the National League South this year. We've got a, you know, some very, very good teams. So it's very easy to measure your own side and look at the quality there, but you've also got to respect and appreciate the quality in the other teams around you. And, and there are some very good teams. Of course, you're living in France. How easy of you to get views of the games and things like that? I suppose it's very, very difficult for you. Is it listening to Stones Live, etc.? Yeah, well, I mean, fortunately, we've got um, we have got uh, terrific um, volunteer um, support around the club to produce a radio commentary of a very good quality. I have to say, um, on Stones Live, uh, and also uh, John Gooch, who's our media man and who does the, the TV, occasionally will kindly stream, privately stream something back to me here in France so I can follow um, follow the match live, not that, I, not, not that I always appreciate that by the end of the game, but <laughs> I do appreciate the, the opportunity to watch it. So yeah, when I can't come over, uh, obviously that's, that's terrific um, to have that uh, kind service, but um, yeah, through COVID, uh, I spent 18 months really away from the UK and I've been, I've been back a few times now, but the, uh, the new variant is now raising its ugly head and, and so it looks like um, everything's on hold again for the next few weeks so it's, it's very frustrating and uh, I, I take my hat off to, um, to Terry Casey and Bill Williams who, who run the club uh, brilliantly and, and um, they don't, so don't seem to miss me not coming over very much. Well he put out a nice tweet after that chat Matt saying he could have talked to, to, to you for hours and hours and that was an interesting uh, an interesting conversation there and he covered a lot of issues uh, and I, it always strikes me as a man who is obviously very passionate about Maidstone United uh, his heart is with Maidstone United but he he cares about the rest of the pyramid as well doesn't he and his involvement in this review th- that shows that doesn't it? Yeah I, I think he's what you would probably say a new age owner of a football club who you know He's not going to, he's going to try and make Maidstone as much sustainable as they can. He's not going to invest thousands and thousands to go on it. And he wants to make it a better place, football, a better place for people to go and watch. Um, and, I, and I think it's been um, well involved with the, the issue with the funding of the National League. And I think he came across really well within that over the last year or so, hasn't he? So he's, he's um, yeah, a new age football owner. And I think, Somebody like this, clearly he's got the respect of a lot of people in the game in this division, in the National South and the National League with him getting involved. And I think that can only work. And that's hopefully, I know the Premier League are kicking back a little bit about some of this stuff, unsurprisingly, because they only care about themselves. That Some of this can go in. But interesting what he said there, you know, not allowed to drink, cost £100,000 on crazy amounts of money. Um, so football's got to help himself. And with people like Oliver Ash. You know, supporting that various things, I think it could be in a an interesting point. And hopefully, Tracy Crouch, um, who's clearly well liked across all political circles, can get some of this thing through. And hopefully, they can probably this Premier League, you know, can be shouted down for what they want. But unfortunately, the the FA, as we said in there, is a bit of a damp duck these days. And the Premier League is so powerful. Let's hope they can this things goes through and the powers can can yeah, the Premier League will have its powers, but other things can work particularly 3G and such like that. Interesting as well, it talks about the National League governance and, and we could probably fill four podcasts just talking about that. But the, the, there's still a sense of frustration in there, isn't there? And, and I think there's more funding coming. And again, I don't think it's been 
uh, d divided as, as it might have been with, with the power again coming to to the clubs in the top division. And, and you know, it's almost a shame that that we are still talking about this because the, the National League have got a good product here, a potentially really, really impressive product. And some of the things that are going on it, on the pitch this season, it, it's obviously a, a high quality competition, but it is causing problems, isn't it? When you see clubs chucking money and money and money and money at it, and, and we talk enough about the problems that Dover are facing, but it's not a level playing field for a club like Dover. And and, and we see this, and, and I know there are frustrations about what's happened with the Dover situation, but when you see well-run clubs in the National League South not getting a, a bite of the stuff that's coming up into the teams, a division above them, it, it, it's a hard pill to swallow. And, and I think Oliver Ash really feels that frustration. Yeah, and I think, you know, what he says, if they can get that in other methods as well, with the 3G, if they can go into the Football League, if they can go on it, will, will clubs think about it a bit more, right? Let's, you know, Sutton United, I think in the report, it said it cost them half a million pounds to rip up their pitch and you're never going to turn down promotion. That fire, you know, community sort of projects and things were, were stopped on that and that's no good for football. We've got to make football inclusive for everybody and let's hope there has some sense in here and my only concern is that the Premier League start ruffling their feathers a little bit and some of this may be watered down but the key thing is somebody thinking about drinking uh inclusivity a bit more and you know the 3g can go forward and then we can move on from there and obviously Maidstone United themselves you saw them a few weeks ago when they were in that little bit of a blip uh, but they have turned the corner now and, and they've been picking up some results a uh, good run of form for them uh, it's, it's, it's looking quite good. And I thought it was interesting that he said that we probably overachieved at the start of the season and, and gave ourselves a bit too much to do in in that aspect. But they seem to have levelled out now and, and they're near the top of the table. So that's where they want to be. Yeah. I would have thought, what was the expectations? Maybe not to win the league at the start of the season, but maybe to compete for the playoffs. And they did have a great start to the season. And then when you saw that little bit of a blip they had, that was a little bit disappointing for them. But they've come out the other side. You know, maybe they've had a bit of luck as well. That win against Ebsley has given them so much confidence, I think. And a win against Billericke. Hadler coming back into the side after being dropped. Good story for that. Yeah, so going in there. They're in fifth place at the moment. You probably, if you said to them, you're going to finish in fifth place, they'll probably take it. So, yeah, they're on um, going in the right direction, which is, which is pleasing. Because Oliver's one of the good guys. I like him. Absolutely. Penalty joy uh, for Maidstone United over the weekend in the FA Trophy as they beat Billericay 6-5 on spot kicks uh, after a 1-1 draw. It was also a penalty success for Dartford uh, as they were won a penalty after a goalless draw down at Bath, but they won 5-3 on penalties. Tommage Angels made it through as well. 1-0 win for them over Canvey Island. Uh, and it was also a good result for Folkestone and Victor as they won 2-0 at Hartley Wintley. But obviously the tie of the round for, for us was Cray Wanderers against Ebb Street United. That one went to penalties as well. And it was the Eastman League Premier Division side who made it through, winning 5 3 uh, in the shootout. What, what what a great, great result that is for, for Cray Wanderers, Matt. And, we, and we've spoken a bit about Danny Kedwell in charge there and, and how sometimes it's been a bit up and down for them. But that could really be a catalyst for them, couldn't it? Yeah, amazing. When they were 2 0 up, you think they only got cut back to 2 0 in the last minute. Would they go on and win the, you know, the penalties? You think absolutely would have the chance. But yeah, that's. Shows what Danny Kedwell can do on that. I know, you know, he's got a lot of time for Ebsleet. Maybe one day he does a job at Cray. He could be the Ebsleet United manager going forward in a few years' time. But, yeah, really good result for them. And um, shame about Ebsleet. You know, that's been, you know, Maystone week has been so good over the last 10 days for Ebsleet. Hasn't really been good, has it? But it shows the um, ups and downs of sides in the National League South. 
Absolutely. Quick turnaround, uh, relatively quick turnaround in the FA Trophy. The next round uh, is on the 18th uh, of December, so only a couple of weeks' time. Uh, another derby for Cray Wanderers. They're at home to Dartford this time, so it doesn't necessarily get any easier uh, for them. Uh, Folks and Victor got a nice tie. Well, on paper, a nice tie against their Isthmian League South Central side, uh, Uxbridge. But Uxbridge doing very well this season. They've only lost once in the league. Uh, they're doing pretty good in the league. They, they've They've obviously had a good run in the FA Trophy, so that one will be one that they won't be taking uh, for granted. Uh, Mason United probably got the worst tie of the lot from our teams as they were drawn away to Maidenhead United. A cracking tie for Tunbridge Angels as they're going to be at home to Torquay United. And our two National League teams uh, entered the competition at the next round stage. And one of them will be going out because it's Dover Athletic against Bromley. Uh, in four words, Matt Gerrard, your reaction to that draw? Gutted for focusing in Victor. Gutted for Bromley, Bromley stroked over. No, they don't want to play each other, do they, really? Delighted, this is more than forward. Delighted for Tunbridge, great tie against Torquay. Um, yeah, gutted for Folkestone. And, I, think and that, both, I think it's a good tie for Folkestone. Well, yeah, I'd like, I think Folkestone deserve a, you know, a decent home tie against a, you know, a big side in the National League. Um, from that. Yeah, they can get but then on. if they win this one, they've got another opportunity to get it, and yeah, you get the yeah. prize money, don't you? Four and a half grand for winning. Well, and, and we know that last year somebody from their league won the league, won won the competition. So yeah, but Dover against Bromley, as somebody said, is just a bit blur on both sides. I think really. So your four words would have been just a bit blur. Yeah, yeah just on that time. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Lovely. Uh, as Matt mentioned at the top of the show, it nearly happened on Saturday. It nearly happened. They led Dover for a long time down at Yeovil, but were pegged back. But even though there are goals being conceded late in games and, and you keep losing leads, uh, there's got to be some positives coming now because you're competing more in games. And, you know, I don't want to tempt fate. You've got Wrexham on Saturday, but you're not getting spankings at the moment. You're, you're, you're staying in games and that's got to be a positive. Yeah, well, look on the basis that we didn't, lose to Yeovil, Yeovil beat Wrexham, add those together in the mini league we've got between our three of us, what does that mean? Dover will beat Wrexham, won't it? Whatever helps you sleep at night, mate. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 a, what a story it would be if Wrexham, who get 10,000 every week and we were lucky to get 400 in our last game, we finally win a game against Wrexham who's spending loads of money. That would be a a lovely, as I put in my report for Saturday, a Christmas miracle. So, fingers crossed. But, yeah, that's, it's a decent result. But, like, interestingly, my daughter, we were watching the game. Well, I wasn't watching the game, but we flagged it up and she bings on her phone when it comes up. And I said, oh, we'll concede in the 77th minute. And she said, oh, it was the 78th, Dad. So, oh, there you go. Nice. That's a decent result against Yeovil. Yeovil have been doing really well. So, um, just got to let this move forward. And, fingers crossed, it's, it, it's coming, John. Before the end of the year, we will have won a league game. Okay, how many um, films by Ryan Reynolds are you going to get in your commentary at the weekend? I only know free, free guy. Uh, and what's that one with he's dressed as a... Um, Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah, I've seen that one. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know any of the other ones. Okay, well, you'll have to try and look some up because, uh, you know, and I want I, I want to hear if... If Dover Athletic win on Saturday, I want to have heard... Why, and, and you guys have taken Ellen. That's exactly what I want to hear. I want to hear Ryan Reynolds, your guys have taken a hell of a beating and I want it clipped up and I want it sent to me for next week's podcast. But with the, um, to be fair to Wrexham, I write for the programme, I, I quite like Wrexham. They've done, they've been in this division since 2008 and that must be an absolute ball ache for their fans because they are a big club. 
not getting out of it. They might not get out of it this year because it's such a competitive league, but eventually they will get out of it and they'll go up from there. But wouldn't it be great if we could beat Wrexham? And then, but arguably we played better against the better teams, so or the bigger side. So um, fingers crossed it can be Saturday. So Wrexham uh, beat Bromley on Saturday uh, by two goals to nil. Bromley are at home to Wealdstone this week, and of course, uh, as we're talking of Bromley, we've got to talk about the devastating. Uh, news at the weekend of the passing of Dave Roberts, uh, friend of the radio show. We never actually had him on this show, but uh, author of The Bromley Boys, uh, The Long, Long Road to Wembley and other books. Uh, a really, really nice bloke, uh, passionate about Bromley. I, I, I was a bit choked up when I saw the tweet from his wife. And to be honest, I was even more choked up when I saw Bromley's statement about it. But uh, a massive loss, isn't he? Yeah, and a really nice bloke. Top bloke. And even though he, when his books, when he followed Bromley that one season, he, very, he wasn't very complimentary about Dover, but, you know, you couldn't take any any bad word about him. You know, that film is great. The books are great. And, you know, clearly cancer was a bit of a, you know, terrible, terrible disease, but he, a real non-league legend. And hopefully um, Bromley can, you know, I don't know if they can name the press box after him or Stan, but he, he did a lot of that club. So a real sad loss. And when I saw it as well on social media, I felt a bit sad because he really was a top bloke. So we thoughts with him and his family, but yeah. Really good, and I'm sure Bromley will do something this weekend. The game against Wildstone to to honour his memory because he was Mr. Bromley. And those books, if you haven't read them, really read them because they'll they'll make you laugh, they'll make you cry in equal measure. Yeah, I guess for Dave, it was probably bloody typical that he passed away on the day and they lost as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he would probably find that quite amusing, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, sad times, really sad. You're top man, he was. Do read those books if you. If you're looking for a book for Christmas, that's probably one of the best ones to get. Really good if you like your non-league football. Absolutely. Bromley uh, did say that they are, uh, the club are planning a tribute to a man who's well and truly a Bromley legend. And the end of their statement just said, rest in peace, our Bromley boy. So, uh, yeah, and thoughts with uh, Dave's wife, Liz, and, and all of his family at, at, at this sad, sad time. But uh, rest assured that he will always have a, a place in many hearts, uh, both in Kent non-league football and across the world. So what a top man, uh, Dave. So, um, yeah, best wishes to all of his family. Uh, into the National League South, obviously not no league fixtures at the weekend uh, because of the FA Trophy, but uh, were two league games on Tuesday night. Oxford City was the destination for Ebbsfleet United, and as you said, Matt, Ebbsfleet United have had a rough old week because they were beaten one nil there as well. Uh, Tumbridge Angels do nil nil with St Albans City. Angels have signed Jake Embury, uh, the former well Herm Bay, Maidstone, Margate striker. Now he's all former of, uh, and and he got a, a bit of time in that game on Tuesday night, and a player who could maybe shine on. But Tumbridge Angels have they've had a bit of a bit of a rough trot, but they, they they're not losing games at the moment, and and that's a, a positive, isn't it? Yeah, and kept Sean Jeffers quite. He's got loads and loads of goals this season for for St Albans. So yeah, I think Steve McKim when we when they lost that game heavily, he was really against Welling or didn't lose heavily. They lost to Welling. He sounded really down, but clearly he's been given a remit to bring players in, change it up a little bit. But that's a decent result against it all. We just need to grow and move away from the bottom of the league. With only one going down, maybe the less pressure on them at the moment. But I'm sure, you know, Steve McKim's, you know, good enough to get them a move away from there. And he's a, he's a top class manager. So, yeah, that just, again, little little building blocks to move forward. Yes, this weekend in the National League South, it's top v bottom as Dartford are at home to Billericay. Ebbsfleet travel to face Dulwich Hamlets. Uh, it's 
Slough is the destination for Tunbridge Angels and Welling United are at home to Eastbourne. Borough, no game for Maidstone United in the league this weekend. Uh, and then on Tuesday night, Ebbsfleet United are in action as they are at home to Bath City uh, and they'll be looking to uh, get up, get some results from there. Let's move in. Let's move on to the Isthmian League. There's, there's always plenty going on in this show, so much that sometimes it's very hard to remember all of the leagues that we cover. Uh, but here we are, the Isthmian League uh, Premier Division. We'll start with, obviously, FA Trophy action at the weekend for both uh, Cray Wanderers and Folks and Victor. But Margate were in league action, uh, beaten 2-1 at Horsham. Last-minute goal, another late goal conceded for Margate. It's got to be a bit of a concern uh, for Jay Saunders. And then on Tuesday night, Cray Wanderers were in league actions. They drew 1-1 at Bowers and Pitsy. Uh, this weekend in the Isthmian League Premier Division, it's Enfield against Folks and Tech. Focusing in Victor on Saturday. Uh, it's Margate are at home to Chessant and Cray Wanderers are on the road down to Worthing. So a tough one for them. Tuesday night as well, some league fixtures there. Folkestone are at home to Bishop Stortford uh, in that one. So And on Wednesday night as well, more league action. Cray Wanderers take on Horsham. I should mention as well, last week where we had recorded the show um, before the game between Cray Wanderers and Folks, which ended 2-2. So Cray Wanderers are in a decent little bit of touch at the moment. So they'll be hoping uh, to, to come out smelling of roses over the weekend. Uh, into the Isthmian League South East Division as well on Saturday. Uh, Ashford United beat VCD Athletic by three goals to one. Corinthian beaten 2-0 at home by Chichester. Uh, Sittingbourne were 4-2 winners at East Grinstead. A hat-trick there for Dwayne Aforia Champong. Uh, Faversham won. Seven Oaks Town 2, uh, despite a late red card for Louis Collins in that one. Herne Bay 0, Burgess Hill Town 0. It was Lansing 0, Hythe Town 1. Uh, Phoenix Sports were beaten again as they lost 3-2 uh, to 3 Bridges. 703 was the attendance uh, at Ramsgate, where they gave free football for everybody. It finished 1-0 uh, in that game between Ramsgate and Cray Valley. done it last week, so that is a really good game because it was so cold and the rain was coming down in like vertical, so... Really, well, horizontal, I should say. So, yeah, really good gate on that. And couldn't separate them there. So, Ramsgate and Cray. So, it's a um, really good game. I'm really pleased with Ramsgate. Yeah, and to be fair, it's bloody cold in Ramsgate in August. So, at that stadium. Uh, it was Whitehawk nil, Whitstable 1 uh, on Saturday. And then on Tuesday night, Whitehawk were beaten again uh, by another Kent side. 2-1, uh, Herne Bay were the victors there. So, some good results uh, in that division for us as well. This weekend... What have we got on? Plenty going on. Burgess Hill at home to Corinthian. Uh, it's Chichester against Ashford United. Cray Valley against Herne Bay. Hightown at home to Phoenix Sports. It's Seven Oaks against Whitehawks. Sittingbourne take on Ramsgate. Uh, Three Bridges against against Faversham. VCD are at home to Lansing. And Whitstable are at home to Haywards Heath. Uh, and joyously, there are no league games in that division uh, on Tuesday next week. Some Kent Senior Cup games floating around. Uh, and some uh, is there any and some velocity trophy, of course, including uh, Corinthian against Seven Oaks. Uh, but and you know, I mean, the velocity trophy, Matt, it's not a competition that I have a lot of fondness for. I think I've made that quite clear, right? Yeah, I've made that clear before. Yeah, yes? yeah, yeah. Well, I'm with you there, mate. Right? Can anybody please explain to me and feel free why in the second round of this competition uh, on Tuesday night, a Tuesday night in December? Faversham are away to Thatcham Town. I mean, come on. Where, where is the thought? Is that, is that Oxfordshire, Thatcham? Uh, Berkshire. Uh, near oh. Reading. I mean, honestly, let's get... I'll tell you what, I'm on the page now. Let's get some directions from Faversham Town to Thatcham Town Football Club. Tuesday night in December. I'm just going to say, make that point again. A Tuesday night in December. 
114 miles each way. Yeah, yeah, I can't see the well. Yeah, doesn't make any sense, does it? So, but uh, well, Actually, we think they should have axed this trophy this season again. I'm yeah. going to put my neck on the line. I'm going to say I don't think there is a place further that Faversham could have gone for that game in the entire Isthmian League. I mean, if you're going to have the competition, don't bring back the group stage, for Christ's sake. But if you're going to have the competition, regionalise it so so that we're not having these long trips at, at this early. And at this time of the season as well, with, with games coming up thick and fast over the festive period, do Faversham want to be doing that bloody journey on a Tuesday night? Well, going with what you said on the um, travel conditions, they could be taking some time as well there. So, um, no, they don't. So, um, yeah, well, it's one of those things, John. We'll be listening next week and they say, well, we've got to thatch a minute in a frozen pitch. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Absolute madness. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it uh, for the football chat. Uh, do just want to mention very quickly a uh, friend of the show, uh, Alex Hode. Matt, do you know about Hody? He's done his legging, hasn't he? Yeah. He was playing football and he's pulled his calf and he was on. He told me last week he'd been up for 31 hours. Uh, such was the pain that he'd been in and these and these high grade painkillers um, that he's on. And I was ever so sympathetic. I just said to him, Hody, you're 40 now. It's time to retire. Yeah, I, I think it was. But he's, yes. He, he, but the thing is, he texted me. Darren Stevens lent him one of those big sock things. So there you All go. Right. Friends of the stars, though, Hody. There you go. When Darren Stevens. The ultimate 40-year-old sportsman's lending that to Hody. That's from there. So at least he's getting it from there. But yeah, he said it looked like a kebab. You know, that thing, the kebab stick, his leg. So um, yeah, good luck, Hody, with that. So um, it's a shame I'm not with him on Saturday because I was going to hide his his, um, his crutches so, uh, on that. But um, he'll be wandering around. Yeah, get that with him. Poor old Hodes. Yeah. The reason why I don't play football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I just said to him. I said, it's time to retire, mate. Uh, he, he said he did it. He, he quote... I, I did it dropping a shoulder to beat a man on the edge of my own box. Well, I mean, you know, that's far too ridiculous. For, for well, you, you know my theory on football, mate. I would get the ball and just hit it long every time. Exactly. There's no yeah. reason why I would ever get myself injured because my job is to hit it long to the big man up front and say, chase that every time I do it. Yes. Uh, yes, there you go. Tore his calf muscle. Um, so, yes, get well soon, Hody. Obviously, I haven't been watching any Taylor this week because I've been far too busy uh, sitting on motorways and stuff like that. But uh, plenty going on. Uh, last series of Taskmaster finished last week. I've just watched the finale. Absolutely brilliant. And I was delighted with it. I would have been happy with either first or second uh, placed person winning it. And uh, but How, As we watch Only Connect with the woman from Only Connect, yeah. my wife's not the biggest fan of, how did she get on? Oh, she was absolutely terrible, but she was hilarious being terrible as well. I think she's probably very, very, very clever. Very well. Yeah. Ooh, David Mitchell, they've probably, they've probably got the world's ch- cleverest children, those two. So, but, yeah. Um, she's uh, a no. sort of, um, you have to take her with a pinch of salt, I think. And I think she, was, she was very good. She was, uh, she was entertaining. And Matt, she's got something in common with you and I. It, was, it transpired during this show. She likes non-league football? No, she cannot ride a bike. Ah, there you go. They, that's the third person across the country then, so there you go. So. Fourth, because uh, I've got another one lives in this house as well. Right, that's, right, exactly. Power to the people, I say. Yeah, power to the pedestrians. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. As always, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. 
Search for Kent Only Podcast. Uh, I'm at John Pips81 on Twitter. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, always nice to hear from any of our listeners. Uh, yeah, and thanks to our guests for being on the show this week. And, and we do appreciate every single person who listens to this show. So thank you very, very much. Uh, a couple of weeks to go to Christmas. Uh, we've got more Christmas uh, things to talk about in the coming weeks. And if you are a club and you've got something going on, uh, you're doing some donations to, to clubs or anything, do let us know uh, and we will give you some coverage here on the Kent Only Podcast. But that's pretty much it. Uh, Hayley is back from yoga, so I'm going to go. She's, devast- she's devastated. She could have had an hour on her own instead. Uh, she's missed me recording this podcast. Uh, so we're going to have to spend the whole night cuddled up together. So uh, a bad night for her, a good night for everybody else. And uh, we will speak to you all next week on the Kent Only Podcast. It is 10 past seven and I'm so tired, I'm going to bed. Good night. Stay safe and keep warm, everybody.